Um, today I'm going to do uh, start just a mini-series uh, of parables before we start the Advent Effect in a couple weeks. just want to remind you about that series. It's going to be a great opportunity to bring friends and uh, look at Christmas in a whole new light. I think it's going to really re- revolutionize how we think about Christmas and all those things. The Advent Effect is coming up uh, in two weeks. We'll have a parable this week and a parable next week. Um, so thank you also for those of you that encouraged me and prayed for me while I was out uh, last week. Not only was I sick, I also had a cousin uh, who was in a coma. He's doing a little bit better, but he's still not out of the woods yet. So thank you for praying for him. His name is Frank. Um, I appreciate that. Today we're going to be talking about uh, a parable that many of you are familiar with. I think it might be one of the most misunderstood parables in Scripture. Um, it's uh, the, the title of my message today is called Rob Beaten and Left for Dead. Uh, some of you might know it as the Good Samaritan. I was talking to Jordan before the church service, and he said he thinks it should be called the Good American. And uh, we'll get into that in just a little bit, but it really makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to start reading. I'm just going to read you the passage in Luke chapter 10. Um, and on one occasion, when Jesus was eating lunch at Sarah's Cafe, like he did every week, oh, okay. <laughs> Or ask the wrong person, sorry, wrong person. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. This is a teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer says, to love the Lord with all your God, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and then also to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answers in a kind of sarcastic way. He says, you have answered correctly. Jesus replies, do this, and you'll live. Do you guys understand how funny that is? Well, he says, what must we do to inherit eternal life? He says, what do you think? He says, love the Lord with all your, God, uh, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and also love your neighbor more than you love yourself. Is that impossible? No. I'm just confession time. I do not love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and all my mind. You know why? Because I suck. <laughs> I'm a sinner. I'm not really good. So it's impossible. And then love your neighbor as yourself? Uh-uh. I love my Z, my creepy Z more than my neighbor. I'm not going to love my neighbor more than myself. And so he answers this question, right? And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you answer correctly. Do this, and you will live. Now, if it were me asking you that question, I'd be really discouraged. Right? Because I know I can't Well, I'm up here. But the lawyer wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, okay, who's my neighbor? In other words, I've got to love your Lord with all your, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. I got that part down. I got that. But tell me who to love more than myself. I'm just curious. Who, who should I? Because I, I've got all that part, Jesus. Tell me how to make sure I get the second part. And then Jesus answers him. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of some robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side, a priest. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side, to religious people. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, 
donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, said, look after him. And when I return, I will pay you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, whatever, go and do likewise. This is amazing. Which do you think was the neighbor? The good one. The good one was the neighbor. Love the really good guy more than you love yourself. You see, this passage starts with a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So I'm going to look at the first point. There's a mirage of self-justification in verse 25 and 29. Because he asked the question, and Jesus said, what do you think it says? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. Don't do it. Okay, I've got the first part, Jesus. Who's my neighbor? See, he's an expert without life. He's an expert, the scripture says. He's an expert in the law. He's an expert in scripture. He knows the Bible. He knows it better than me. He knows it better than you. He knows it better than anyone. He knows the word of God. He's an expert, but he has no life. You know why? Because he trusts in his own abilities. We see that in verse 25 and 29. He's also an expert without hope. And here's the really saddest part about it, right? This guy is religious. He knows the law. He knows the rules. He knows the truth. He probably knows all the hymns in the temple. He probably knows the priests. He probably knows the musicians. He knows the guy that sits there at the gate and mocks it at the end of the day. He knows everyone. And he has no hope. None. Because he cannot love the Lord as God with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, and all his strength. Forget about the neighbor part. Let's just focus on that. If you think you can't get to that point, give it up. Give it up. It's not going to happen. So we see this mirage of self-justification. And then we see some misdirected religion in verse 30 to 32, right? So the guy gets beaten up. There's this guy on the street. Some robbers come and pound him and beat him. And the robbers are a picture of the world. The picture of the sinful system that we live in. All the sinful system of the world seeks to do is to tear you down and take from you. That's what the world does. And we see some misdirected religion. We see religious without real faith. Because we see the priest walk by, and he sees this guy beaten and bloody and, and dying, and he's walking, and he stops. He goes to the other side of the road and walks around. The priest. The scripture says in James, a man says he has faith, but his life doesn't show it. He's not really a believer. If he doesn't show the instances and the examples of being a mini-redeemer, right? He's not. So we have the religious without real faith, and we have the respected without reason. That's the Levite. The Levite and the priest are the most highly respected people in the religious culture of the day. Why do we want to respect them? 
He comes down by the road, just like the priest did. He sees the rocking guy. He steps to the other side of the street and walks and leaves him to die. Isn't that just like religion? Man. Religion did nothing with a rock beating left the dead guy. Nothing. Misdirected religion. He was religious without real faith. Respect it without reason. Why would we want to respect that? It's disgusting. But then we have mercy from the hate. Now, I want you to understand why Jesus does this in this parable is genius. He takes the two most revered examples of religion in the culture of the day. A Levite and a priest. The two most respected. And he says they didn't help. Then he gives the example of a Samaritan. A Samaritan was not respected. A Samaritan was considered a half citizen, a half Jew. Matter of fact, a Samaritan was looked down upon. If there was prejudice in the day, there was racism in the day, it was directed toward the Samaritan. They weren't allowed to go get water at certain times of the day, so they wouldn't mingle with the real people. They were despised. They were rejected. They were hated. And what Jesus says is the despised and rejected guy is the one who makes a difference. So in verse 33, we see the Samaritan. He's despised and rejected. And we see the Samaritan, the despised and rejected one, healing the helpless. This guy can do nothing for himself. He's sitting there. He's been beaten up. He's dying. Religion could lend a hand but doesn't want to get itself dirty. I mean, the road was probably there. They probably had liturgy coming up soon that they had to participate in. They had to be in front of the temple and all that. I, I, I'm late. But the despised and rejected offers healing for the helpless. And he pays the price. Not only does he stop him, he feeds him. He bandages his wounds. He takes him to an inn and says, here's money. Take care of him. And when I come back by, whatever else you had to give him, keep my bill, I'm paying. I got it covered. I got the price covered. And so you think about this story, right? It's pretty discouraging if you're a Christian and you read this. And we often think to ourselves, you know, if I were in that situation, I would never be the Levite. I would never be the priest. I would be the good Samaritan. It's only the Christian thing to do, right? To stop and help someone who's hurting? If I were in a situation where I was walking by and I saw someone robbed, beaten, and left for dead, helpless, because I'm a Christian, I would help. This is where the good American title that Jordan gave you comes in. That's our American's perspective, is it not? The parable is personalized in verse 36 and 37. He says, which of, these do, which of these do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. So the beaten man, we understand who he is. We understand what's happened. His life has been just catastrophically changed and transformed and almost ended. 
We see the priest and the Levite who did nothing for him. The respected religious crowd that probably smelled good, looked good, nice haircut, probably drove a Lexus. To you that drive Lexuses, don't take that personally. You come to Sarah's Cafe for brunch, you're forgiven for that. And then we see the Samaritan. The despised and the rejected offering healing. Guys, let me explain something to you. It's very arrogant for us to assume that we are should be a Samaritan. That's not the point of the scripture. What the scripture said, it started with the lawyer saying this, Jesus, what must I do to have life? And Jesus said, well, first of all, you have to recognize you've been left dead. Second of all, you have to recognize your religion can do nothing for you. Third of all, you have to recognize that the despised and rejected is the one who will save you. The Samaritan is Jesus, not us. How arrogant of us to think that that parable is teaching us, oh, we should help others. Of course we should help others. But that's not what the story teaches in context. In context, the story is about what? It's not about philanthropy. It's about eternal life. It's about salvation. It's about escaping death. That's what the parable is about in context. That cannot be debated, correct? That was the original question, the premise, that started the parable. We are the beaten man. What's the whole point? It's not about how Christians should act. It's about how we get along. The lawyer asked, how can I justify myself? We know that he is helpless in this endeavor. So Jesus tells this parable that sets up a rejection of everything the lawyer might have come into this interaction embracing about self-reliance and justification. Life did not come to the beaten man from the priest or the respected Levite, but through the hands of a rejected, despised Samaritan. He says to the lawyer, get this, he says, follow the law which says to you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, then love your neighbor as yourself. Do you think you can choose those routes and be successful? I mean, guys, do you really want to try to be the good Samaritan? Do you really want to say, don't leave here today saying, I'm going to be the good Samaritan? No, you're not. You need to leave here today with your thought process being, I was robbed, I was beaten, I was left for dead, religion did nothing for me, but the despised and rejected one, Jesus Christ, came by, lifted me up out of death, out of darkness, into light, healed my wounds, paid the price, right? Paid the price, just like the Good Samaritan paid the price at the end, Jesus paid the price. Throughout the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. For the price for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Clearly, Samaritan is Jesus, not you, not me, not us. Now, don't come away with this message saying, well, Joseph, we don't have to help the people. That's not what I'm saying. Because if you're our main redeemer, you will, right? 
If you have tasted the incredible power of redemption, if you know that you can trust the redemption, that not only was it good enough to save you from sin, but also it was good enough to heal you and transform you into an incredible instrument of grace and truth and light and light, you can have confidence in it, and we will, by nature, help those who need it. But when you approach this parable by thinking, I need to make sure that I'm the good Samaritan, that is arrogant. That space is only for one person, Jesus. I find comfort in the fact that I'm not the good Samaritan. I find joy in the fact that I was the robbed, beaten, left for dead guy. And Jesus came along when religion did nothing for me. The liturgy, the legacy, all that stuff did nothing for me but Jesus transformed my life. When Jesus says to the lawyer, go and do likewise, it's an impossible task the lawyer will never fill. The only way to life, guys, get this, the only way to life is to be the beaten man. The only way to receive justification, the only way to receive glory, the only way to receive healing, the only way to have a price paid for you is to be helpless, beaten on the side of the road. So what's the application here? What is it that I can give you to take away from this that will affect your life tomorrow? I want you to envision yourself in a situation where you can never even dream about being the Good Samaritan until first the Good Samaritan touches your life. And then, as you have opportunity to be a help to those who are hurting, it's just you following behind the footsteps of the one who came and helped you. He's paying for it. Not you. Put your money back in your pocket. You can't pay the price. Jesus pays the price. We are the beaten man. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to close here in just a few minutes. But before I do, I want to make sure that you understand, again, as it ties to the series we just did on redemption, I'm not saying to you that you can't help those in hurt for those in pain. But what I'm saying to you is in this parable, it is arrogant to think that you are the one that makes the difference. Amen? We don't make the difference. It's Jesus, the despised, the rejected, who reaches down, heals the wounds, pays the price.